This episode is brought to you by KPMG Risk Services. KPMG believes that when you've earned the trust of all your stakeholders, that's when your business has a solid platform to grow. That's the trusted imperative. KPMG Risk Services develop and put in place dynamic risk strategies designed to help your business earn that all-important trust. Go to read.kpmg.us slash trust to learn more. This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Said. Hi there. This is Polly Campbell, and you're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And a big part of doing that is dependent on the quality of our relationships, our friendships, our love relationships, our family relationships. They are complicated. Being in relationship with other people is a tough thing. And I've been thinking a lot about it lately because we just celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary. And every year I'm surprised. (laughs) Not that our marriage has lasted, but that I got married in the first place. I didn't plan on it. That wasn't the deal. I was going to take off out of college, move to New York and become this big fancy schmancy writer and do the whole thing. But instead I met this guy and he said he wanted to be married. But if I wasn't interested in marrying him, we needed to move on. And I didn't want to move on. So I had to get clear about a few things. It wasn't that I was against that kind of relationship. I just really didn't want to live with anyone else. (laughs) I'd grown up in a house with two people who have been married for roughly a billion years, and it's been a happy marriage. They've set a great example. But I didn't want to live with anyone else. So I floated the idea, what if we get a duplex? And you live on one side, and I live on the other, and we run back and forth when we feel like it. Uh, He thought it was a joke. I was not joking, but nonetheless, we didn't do that. We got married, had a great wedding, a very meaningful day. And really, it's been a a strong and healthy and fun and interesting marriage. And I'm grateful that he's in my life. But I'll tell you what, marriage has not always been easy for me. There are plenty of mornings when I wake up and roll over and see him sleeping there and think, what the heck? What are we doing here? Right? But there are a few things that we do, and I think we started doing this before we realized that it was important. There are a few things we do just about every day that has kept me close, has helped me to feel satisfied and connected and supported, and I hope the same is true for him. And I've studied and written a lot about uh, relationships and what makes them successful and why they fail in my work as an author and a magazine writer. So I've gotten to interview some of the bigwig experts and uh, connected to really good research and information. And as I learn things, I try to bring it into our own relationship. Sometimes it helps me, sometimes not. 
right? But that's how relationships go. And so I'm not coming off today as any kind of expert. I just have access to some of this information. And it's worked for us, uh, especially to get through some some difficult times. And, um, and I think, you know, marriage is easier for some people. Relationships are easier than some people. Friendships, they're not an easy thing for me. They're complicated. I value them. I treasure them. I feel very deeply when I'm in a friendship uh, or when I love you, but it's difficult for me. So I've worked really hard to be more patient and to learn and find my center point in my relationships. And and today we're going to talk over some of the things I use, some of the things we use in our marriages and also my friendships, because I thought that they might help you too. Perhaps you'll have a different take and some other tips that could help all of us. So feel free to reach out. You can find me on Facebook on Polly Campbell author or Twitter at PL Campbell and also my uh, website polycampbell.com. You can reach me there. So after today's show, if you listen to any of these things and, and give it a go, let me know how they work. Or if you have another thought, I'm open to that too. We can be in community about this stuff because the one thing that's essential to all of our lives is relationships. The quality of our relationships really impact the quality of our lives. They help us build resilience. They help us be healthier mentally, right? When we are in strong relationship, when we're connected to others, friends and and, uh, loved ones and business partners and love partners, life partners, then we are less likely to feel depressed, uh, more likely to um, feel satisfied and live a life that we feel is meaningful. And that contributes to our overall physical health and well-being and our mental health and well-being. So that's what we're talking about. We need relationships. We want them. We are better with them. But how we are in them, um, says a lot about whether they last or not, right? In our marriage, I think it's been a good one, but it hasn't always been easy for me. The one thing that we've done and I'm grateful for is that we have some power balance. Now this, to be honest, surprised me because um, I tend to be very assertive. I know that'll come as a great surprise. (laughs) I tend to be very assertive in our relationship and I think sometimes that looks like a power imbalance. But when I talk to my husband about this, he feels like he has equal power, that he has a say and he has equal influence in our relationship. And that balance of power contributes to a happier, more satisfying relationships, according to Robert Corner at the Institute of Psychology at Martin Luther University. And Astrid Schutz from University of Bamberg. They have looked at this and found that when couples each feel like they have influence, when their preferences are appreciated and supported, they tend to be the happiest couples. When both partners feel like they have a high sense of personal power in the relationship, they are happier. So that's interesting to me. If you feel like you have influence and you're listened to and you can assert your preferences, in some method of decision-making power or whatever that is, then even if the power skills are 
unbalanced in other ways. And they are in my house. Like I pretty much run the household. Now I talk to him, I consult with him, I get his opinion. But ultimately, I'm here most of the time. I'm the scheduler, I'm the organizer. So that's pretty much my deal. But if we are going to buy a new car, or we're going to uh, take some time off for a vacation, or whatever it is, he often has a stronger opinion in those areas. And I respect that because he's more knowledgeable in some of those things. So when both people feel like they can assert their preferences, even if the power skills are imbalanced, everybody feels good, right? It all comes down to how we perceive our own power in the relationship. And that determines how happy we feel in the marriage, in the friendship, and whatever. Both people feel greater satisfaction in the relationship when both partners feel like they have a say over the things that are most important to them. So I guess that's a good place to start. Do you know what's important to your friend or your partner, the people you're living with? Do you know what matters to them? And do they have a say over those things? Do you let them influence you? It feels good when I'm able to influence my partner a little bit. It feels like he values what I have to say. And I think the same is true for him. So based on this research by Robert Corner and others, a balance of power doesn't have to be equal, but it has to be felt by both partners. Both people need to feel like they have a say over some of the things that go on in the house and the relationship. So that makes sense, right? Nobody wants to be unheard. And if you are feeling unheard, that might be a good thing to address or learn about. What is it that you want to assert? What are your preferences? And how can you switch that up a little bit so you feel more power in the relationship? Because when you do, you're going to be happier in the marriage. Okay. You know, in every relationship, some things like parenting and money matters and uh, issues like that impact both of us in a big way. And so we complain and bicker and fight and argue and negotiate a lot of negotiation. It's not easy, those things. But because we both feel like we have some power in other areas, we can get through it. And that's the key, according to research. Okay. So give it a go. I knew nothing about this until about three weeks ago when I read the research and I looked at our relationship and the things that work and it was true for us. So then I talked to my husband and he's like, yeah, I do. I feel like I do have some control and um, I feel like I have a say and, you know, I don't care how the house is decorated, but I do care what kind of car I drive. So it was an interesting discussion and all of these things can be a way for you to start talking uh, with your partner or loved one, or friend, right? The people that you care about. Are there ways that you can understand each other better to make the relationship or friendship more satisfying? Okay. Another thing that we do all the time, and this is huge for me, this is often why I keep coming back on the days when everything is falling apart and I'm angry or hurt or tired when things are not working out because we bring all that home, right? I can have a bad day at work and then it just makes me irritable and impatient at home. Not his fault, but it's the way it goes when you're in close contact with somebody. This is the thing that keeps bringing me back. Appreciation and courtesy. Be polite. I am amazed at how many times we forget this in our life all around right we always say please and thank you 
I tend to make dinner most often because I can get everything done at the same time uh, without being charred. So that's a perk, right? And when we sit down to eat, he always says thank you for making dinner or this really tastes good. Thank you for doing that. I can't remember a night when he doesn't say it. And he thanks me for the other things I do. And guess what? I do that for him too. We apologize when we need to. We show up when we say we are going to show up. And this isn't a marriage thing. This is a life thing. This is how to connect in a healthy, meaningful, respectful way with anyone in the world right? It's a way of demonstrating respect. Manners are a people thing. Appreciation and courtesy definitely make my marriage better, but they make my life better too. Because what it shows when you look at somebody and you say, thank you, it shows, hey, you over there, I see you. And I appreciate the effort you went to, to make my life better or to make my day easier. Right. I just had a conversation like this with a, a administrator, a receptionist at a medical office. I'm scheduling an appointment and there's been some confusion around that and all these things. And she went above and beyond to make it work for me. And I had a moment on that phone call where I said, I truly appreciate the effort you went to to make this happen. And it was just a five minute meeting we were having. Right. And it stopped her and she thanked me for appreciating that. It made her day better. And it made my life easier, right? Because when we reach out with this kind of respect and appreciation and courtesy, then everything else gets easier. People are more likely to help you and cooperate with you and make things work. And I feel better about myself. So I think sometimes we become really familiar in these relationships that we have all the time with, with our best friends and, and our parents or our kids or our spouses, partners at work and at home. And we need to back it up. Appreciation and courtesy in the relationships that matter to you and those that are just momentary, the people you pass as you go through life, like the checkers at the grocery store or the bankers. It makes a difference. Another part of this, aside from being polite and uh, saying our please and thank yous and everything else around here, we don't pass each other without checking in. When he comes home at night, we take a minute to sit together and acknowledge each other. When we are out in public, we leave together. We stay close. Do we do this right all the time? No. I mean, we bicker, we fight, I come unhinged sometimes. As I said, <laughs> these things are not always easy for me. It's not always easy for me to be in a relationship where I actually see people every day of my freaking life. <laughs> but I'm grateful for it. And I want him to know that. Another thing that we do around this, and we got this out of therapy. I've been straight up that I love therapy. I go when I need, I go when I'm curious, I want to learn about myself, I want to learn about how to go through this life, and I'm, I'm curious about all that. So one of the sessions I was in, they talked just about a gentle exercise at the end of each day, just sit down, and while you're sitting there watching TV or doing whatever else, just take a quiet minute, pause the TV, or turn down the phone, turn it over, and share what you appreciate about each other. 
I appreciate that you made dinner tonight. I appreciate that you folded the laundry. I appreciate that you went to work and, and helped earn money for our family. Uh, I appreciate your sense of humor. Whatever it is, uh, sometimes it's really basic stuff. I appreciate that you made my coffee this morning. Although that's not basic, that's pretty much also essential to living in a, a happy life, right? Good coffee is essential to life. But taking a moment to notice the goodness that that other person is bringing into your world. This works with friends. This works with parents. We all need to feel that. We all need to know the value we're bringing. And when somebody you care about takes a minute to tell you that they appreciate you, it's life-changing. We, um, years ago, we're going through some ups and downs. And we did this appreciation exercise every night after dinner. We just got quiet for about three minutes and we each said five things we appreciated about each other. And it was so interesting and surprising and satisfying because he shared things I thought he wasn't even noticing, the little things I did. And it made me feel so appreciated and validated. And he shared the same. So try it good manners in your relationships and share those moments of appreciation with the people you care about. It's good for everybody. In fact, that's our Simply Start segment today. Take a minute and think of somebody you care about and reach out with a moment of appreciation. Give them a call or a text and say, I appreciate that or I appreciate you for blah where I appreciate that you have a good sense of humor, some quality that you appreciate. And if you're living with the person, sit down with them. It can feel very vulnerable in the beginning, but simply start today, not expecting anything in return, but just sharing three or five things that you appreciate about that person you're living with. And um, in turn, they might turn around to do it to you, but just sharing that is good for the relationship. Simply start today by sharing your appreciation. All right. Here's another thing that we do. I didn't even know that um, this was a smart thing to do. I just did it out of pure need to survive in a relationship with another person. And that is parallel play. (laughs) Now, when you're raising a little kid, they talk about this because kids hit these uh, stages in their life where Uh, They want to be together, but they don't want to play together, right? This is when they'll be in the same room, but one will be building with the blocks and the other one will be, you know, playing with a ball or they'll be on the playground, not playing together, but all in that same environment. In 1929, Mildred Parton, a sociologist, was looking at how, how kids play separately but together in the same environment. So they're there together, but they're not engaging with one another. And that feels good. Sometimes we need to do our own thing, but we don't want to do it alone. We want to be in connection with somebody. This is huge for me. And I never knew really there was a term for it or I thought about it until I read an article in the New York Times this week about that. So check it out. Um, It's under New York Times Well, and it's about parallel play for adults. You can just search for that. And there's a great article about that in the Times this week. And it talks about why this kind of parallel play is so beneficial to adults who are in secure relationships with friends or partners, right? You can do this with your girlfriends. In fact, I have. We've taken beach trips over the years where one whole day, 
we don't even do anything but read people magazines or sit quietly or go for walks or watch movies. We don't even have to talk to each other. And it just feels good to be there. What does this look like? Well, Saturday mornings. <laughs> this is what it looks like for me. I'll get up, I'll sit on my corner of the couch, I'll be reading my book, writing my morning pages, drinking coffee. I just want to be quiet. And he'll be sitting in his chair in the early morning before our daughter gets up. He'll be sitting in the chair to my left and and he'll be listening to a podcast or tinkering around with the things that are important to him. And we'll just be like that. It is such a calming, connective thing for me. And we can go an hour without speaking to each other at all. And it's just soothing to have him there, to know that I can hang out with him without needing to offer anything or communicate anything. Now, every once in a while, he'll get up and he'll pour me another coffee or he'll mention something he's listening to on the podcast and we'll talk about that for a few minutes or we'll interrupt to talk about where we need to get our daughter for the day or how we're dealing with an issue that came up. But this isn't heavy discussion. This isn't problem solving time. This isn't working through the garbage time. This is just being together separately. He likes this time too, but it's essential for me. It's become an essential coping moment for me personally and in our marriage because I need more quiet time than he. I need my own space. But I love that I can have my space and be together. You know, one of the reasons I didn't want to get married was that I feared the loss of this kind of quiet time. I felt like I wouldn't have time to sit quietly and write or or read my books, to be independent, to do something that mattered only to me. So connecting this way has been really powerful and really meaningful. Parallel play for adults in relationships. Check out the New York Times article and check this practice out. See if it's something that you already do or that worked for you, or maybe you need to build more time for these kind of quiet moments of hangout. All right. And finally, something that uh, I am always working on, my husband is much, much better at this aspect than I am, is uh, the repair tactic. When things do fall apart, when there is an argument or tension, and people say things they regret or hurt is caused. Dr. John Gottman, the famed relationship researcher, has studied thousands of couples over the decades and found that it's not how they fight or even how often they fight that determines whether their relationship will stay together, but it's how they repair after things go off the rails. Okay. So what is a repair tactic, according to Gottman. Well, it's, and and I'll put this in the show description because there's a great uh, list of, of repair techniques that Gottman offers. But what he's found is that even after difficult and heated exchanges and conflicts, the couples that last do something to resolve that conflict or to move beyond it to recover, right? So the issue might not be resolved. You might not come to any agreement, but at some point, one person or both people in that relationship realizes that the relationship is more important than the issue at hand. And they will say, okay, this is my favorite. Okay. 
I can't talk about this anymore. I need a break and I'll go away and I'll come back and talk about it later when I've calmed down. Sometimes he'll use humor, um, which sometimes works works with me and, and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes it just pisses me off more because things are serious to me, right? So part of making an effective repair interaction is to know how your partner works. So for my husband, if we are in the middle of a heated exchange and my voice is raised, for him, that triggers all kinds of fear and anxiety and it really stresses him out. So we can't usually get anywhere to resolve our differences when my voice is raised, right? But my repair tactic then for him is to come back in in that moment and lower my voice and talk a little softer and try to build connection that way. We might still be saying the same things and we might still be angry or or disagreeing, but that's my approach to help him see that, hey, we can disagree on this, but I still care about you and I'm still here with you, right? Often he feels better with a hug. I don't. I need to talk things through. So if he comes over in an effort to repair and help us recover from the difficulty and wants to give me a hug, that will flare me up all over again often. But now he knows, okay, I need to apologize and recognize that I heard her and talk this through. And so he'll set a time to do that with me. Over the years, we've figured out different things. Some work really well and some work not so well at all. Sometimes we're really good at this. Sometimes we're terrible at this. But ultimately, we both find a way to calm down, to talk about our feelings, and to come back together in a way that maybe hasn't resolved the issue, but it hasn't hurt the relationship. And I think that's really a key. Of course, you're going to have differences of opinion in friendships and marriages and business relationships. But does that mean you want to throw the whole relationship out? And that answer for either of us, for both of us, has never been yes. We are in this for the long haul, and I'm glad to be in it, which, again, much to my surprise. But it helps when we have those difficult moments that we can come back and recover in little ways before we move on again. Finally, the last thing that uh, I learned before I got married, and it's made a huge difference for me. And I was in a little Italian restaurant with a friend who'd been married a number of years. And she said to me, just don't expect him to be everything. That's not fair. Nobody can be everything. Don't expect him to be everything. So that helped me. And that is true. You know, when you're in a new relationship in particular, even a friendship, you're all in. Everything's exciting and new and, and easier uh, to manage. And, and you imagine you'll do everything together. And and that's a great start. But I don't want to be with him every minute of every day, right? I want to have my own friends. I have my own interests. I have my own work and hobbies and activities. Now, there is plenty that we share and plenty that we have in common. But I really like it that he has a different kind of job and that he has different friends and different activities that he loves. Because when he goes out and does those things, he comes back with all these great stories and plenty of new information to share with me and things I can learn and we can laugh about. I like that he brings his own independent ideas and hobbies to our relationship. And that allows me to do the same. And that's essential, 
right? I don't count on him to make me happy. That is not his job. It's not his job to keep me entertained. I think it is our job to be connected with each other, uh, to be in relationship and to nurture each other and support each other, whether it's in things we have in common or those differences that help us live full lives as individuals. And because we're able to do that, and because he's able to do that and willing to do that for me, I think that's why I'm still here. I'm an independent spirit, but I've learned how to be in a marriage and I've learned how to be in relationship. I hope I'm becoming a better friend. I hope I'm becoming a better mother and a better wife and a better person. This stuff matters to me. Uh, My family life does matter to me. And I think connection and relationships are so essential to everything we do in life that if we can find the little practical ways of enhancing them and making them more satisfying and happier and healthier for everyone involved, then we are going to be happier people too. And that's worth doing. So what do you think? What are some of the things you do to help your friendships last for decades and keep your marriage alive or your relationships going? What are some of the tips you share? You can reach out to me at Polly Campbell author on Facebook or find me at pollycampbell.com and pick up my newest book. You recharged at bookstores everywhere. Remember, relationships are essential to our happiness and how we navigate the world. So take a minute to appreciate those people in your life. And when you do that, I think you will live well, do good, and be happy. (laughs) 